Hello, welcome to the Canadian Church Planting Podcast. My name is Ben Jolliffe. I'm the host of the show. Today on the show, we have my friend, old friend, Alan Self. Alan's the pastor of a Baptist church in southwestern Ontario. And we have a really interesting conversation about how to take an older church. The church was about 70 years old when Alan got there. How to take an older church and help them get a vision for discipleship, evangelism, and for church planting. Uh, how to plant churches in small towns and villages. Lessons he's learned along the way and and a bunch of other stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. This podcast is brought to you by The Grace Network. The Grace Network is a church planting network in Canada. We help churches plant and replant and revitalize and do lots of different things. You can find out more about The Grace Network's work at gracenetwork.ca. But now on to the show. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Alan. It's great to have you on. It's great to be here, Ben. Great. So you are the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church, Strathroy, Ontario. Strathroy is, if you don't know where Strathroy is, west of London, by about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. Yeah. If you don't know where Strathroy is, uh, welcome to the rest of the world. Um, (laughs) No one knows where Strathroy is. (laughs) No. And I remember when I uh, did the interview process, I had no idea where Strathroy was either. (laughs) You'd look it up. (laughs) Yeah. But we're, uh, we're along the 402 between London and Sarnia. So, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So if you just keep driving past London, but take the 402, not the 401, uh, you'll you'll find Strathroy eventually. So Bethel is about almost 80 years old as a church. It's an older church. This is a church planting podcast. So we'll we'll get to why why you are on it. But how how long have you been there? Tell us just a little bit about your your tenure. Uh, how long you've been working at Bethel for? Yeah, just past the seven year mark um, for being here. So uh, Easter 2016 was when I started up here at the church. You've worked to cultivate a vision for church planting in an older, more established church. You know, I, I jokingly referred to it in our pre conversation as a grandpa church. You know, eighty almost eighty years old. Um, how do you cultivate cultivate a vision for church planting in an older church like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think like even when I first came here right off the bat, um, it wasn't necessarily that it was like specifically a vision to say, hey, I want to turn this church into a church planting church. Um, But being, you know, a 70 plus year old established rural small town Baptist church, it comes with everything you would think about with that, right? <laughs> and so there right. was a very distinct sense that I had, and, and this was part of even the interview process with the elders and stuff of like, we need a renewed sense of vision um, to not just keep going, but to invigorate, um, reinvigorate that mission for why we're here. And uh, like, I remember reading, I think it was a Les McEwen book. He's got a couple different ones on like predictable success. Um, and he, he sort of uses this like bell curve analogy of the growth of any organization. And uh, it's, it's not a Christian church planting book at all, but it's just talking about, you know, the growth that you go from, you know, entrepreneurial up, you hit your kind of peak, and then you start to decline down and you end up in this potentially um, death rattle. And then you, you know, jump in the coffin. And, uh, and he, he, he said, you know, if you're on that downward curve, what you really need, um, if you have a hope of not ending up in the coffin, is a major infusion of vision. And so, um, so that was really where it started, was just a lot of prayer of like, God, how do you really bring us back 
not that we had like gone way astray of the gospel or anything like that, but just like a, a passion to not just keep doing what we've always done, but a vision to say we're here to be about multiplying disciples and reaching out. And so um, for us, it didn't really start with church planning. It actually, there's a series of events, but the Lord brought kind of about this idea that we ripped off because um, all good ideas. Get <laughs> all good ideas are ripped off. Absolutely. None of them are original. <laughs> uh, so David Platt's church that he was at a couple ones ago in um, Birmingham, I think it was. Um, we ripped off an idea from them and we called it One for 51. So the idea was um, rallying us around short-term missions. And so what would happen if you invest one week of your year in short-term missions to impact the other 51 weeks? Um, to impact those you go and serve, to impact those like your life, those who you partner together. And uh, and so we um, set a goal for us. Um, this is back in, I think, 2017, 2018. Um, in a year to send out 51 people that year on short-term missions, to have 51 families partner with those going, and then to do like a special offering to raise $51,000 to cover half the cost of it. Um, and so for us, like, I know every church is different. Where does that sit? Like, that was a big deal. Yeah. That wasn't just like, oh, we can, we can, I'm sure we'll get, it was like a, like a stretching goal or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like more than a month of our regular giving in the special offering. It's like four times, maybe five times as many people on mission trips as we did last year. Um, it was like a big stretch goal. Fairly audacious. Yeah. 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 And I actually remember um, I, I brought this to our elders and one of our elders, we continue to joke about this with uh, dear brother um, publicly and privately. Uh, but he said, you know, Alan, this is a great idea, but why don't we do one for 21? And I yeah. said, no, that's not the point. The point is we need to infuse some vision to say, hey, we can all be a part of this. And uh, we ended up having like 80% of our congregation involved in either praying, giving, or going in that next year. We sent out 13 teams, 10 different countries. Um, the And it, it really started with the actually the special offering. So we did it on one Sunday. We gave about three weeks notice to people that we were doing this. Um, and uh, I'm like a year and a half into the church. And my wife said to me on the Saturday before this, she's like, what if not many people give? Yeah, like what if you get like... A thousand dollars. Exactly. And I'm like, I, I seriously, like I walk in my backyard after she says this and I'm like walking on the Saturday night and I'm like, I have like unnecessarily brought upon a vote on like a confidence vote without even meaning it. Like this could be a complete disaster. Yeah, there could be like um, a lot, there's a lot staked on that. Like if that really flops, you're a year and a half in, you don't have a ton of cachet and totally, trust and totally. know, all that stuff. And yeah. I think that's probably more a picture of I mean, I could spiritualize it and say it was a really big step of faith. And there was some of that, but it was also maybe a little bit of <laughs> naivety and stupidity of a ah, young sometimes guy. Sometimes the Lord uses it. that stuff too. Yeah, He does. He does. So <laughs> so we had that special offering. And then uh, the tellers go and count it after the service. And the goal was, again, over $51,000. Uh, we had $51,090 given that day. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and it's like, like almost bang on. Exactly. So and and like yeah. in my books, like it was better than like eighty dollars or $100,000 even because it's like, how on earth do you orchestrate this? How do you? Yeah, like you, you just can't. So we brought that back to the congregation. And like the flip side of, you know, if this flopped, it would have been major loss. But when it went that well, like this is, became this like story of like, look at what God did. 
And then those, and that was the beginning. And as I said, all those trips happen and stuff. And that started to begin, like you're exposing people to what God's doing around the world in new ways. You're seeing God, people see God work through them. We we're, we're keep telling these stories. Like every time a trip came back, we put together a video to tell the story of it. Um, and that just started this, like, I think a, an infusion of like, hey, in all of my different ways, from being like a senior citizen as a part of this church, to being a mom at home with kids, to being a working person, to being a young adult and everywhere in between, like I can be a part of actually being a disciple making disciple. So that was really like that, that I think, although it wasn't church planning, that was, I, I really do think a genesis in terms of at least my tenure for what has kind of led us towards this. Do, did the church need to change structurally in any ways? Like for you guys to, to become this disciple making disciples who make disciples, you know, which eventually we'll talk about leads to some, some church planting and some like that. But like, was it, was there structural things that need to change or was it mostly like tones, attitudes, vision, that kind of those softer things that needed to change? Uh, no, it was definitely structure too. And some of that, <laughs> some of that was before I, I came in. So uh, we had a four-year transitional interim pastor before I came, four-year transitional interim. Uh, yeah, that's a long time. And that wasn't necessarily exactly what they had planned. Um, the The search just was what it was. But that also tells a little bit of like they're just the journey that we were going on. And in that time, they the church, before me getting here, redid the Constitution. Because um, there was definitely some real challenges that was going through on a structural level. Um but then even when I came in, it was sort of a bit of a, uh, you moved two years ago into a new constitution, but you didn't have an actual full-time lead pastor yet. So you're not really living it yet. Like you are, but you're not. And so the first two, three years um, was trying to help us work that out and put into place what we actually said we had on paper. Um, and and that's that brings about all kinds of change and people change and thinking change and um, you know, I, and I guess the, the gift of a long established church is also a challenge in that one of the things that just by nature happens is you keep adding more and more stuff to what you've always been doing. And there's the really encouraging part of that, right? Because people say, oh, like I remember on Sunday night prayer times where that was where I came to Jesus or my my daughter and, you know, a revival speaker came in and that was transformational for us. Or I remember when we did this women's Bible study. Or I remember when we did this and this and this. And so everybody's got their like very valid stories, but it's not necessarily true that because something worked 30 years ago or 20 years ago or even five years ago that we keep doing it now. But you have, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when people have like vested like, emotional, passionate commitment um, to close some doors, um, to be able to streamline and uh, simplify um, things. And so, uh, but I think it's been necessary to try and get us where we're going. Well, so so take us take us from uh, that, that first summer, or maybe, I don't know if all the mission trips went out in the summer, but the, that first year, those trips, people getting excited, it's disciples making disciples. Take us forward, because like, I know you, you planted some churches, uh, you know, Port Franks, Watford, some other places. Like, what happened, bet- what steps took place in between those things, or what, what were some of the things that happened in between? Yeah, so a couple of those are historic ones going back before my time, um, the Port Franks and Watford. And then in the last um, six months here, we've launched off another church and 
thinking about what might be into the future. So it's been a, it's been a bit of the journey of the church over the years. But um, yeah, we did that one year, the one for fifty one, and it was like wow, like this was supposed to just be one year, and we're like this has been such a cool move of God. We got to keep going with this. Um, and out of that, we had um, people bringing back ideas from their trips, bringing back things they're seeing, right? Um, and seeing that church can be done in ways that are different than how we do it in the typical North American churches, <laughs> right? Yeah, like were these trips like Africa, so like South America, yeah, like, Europe, like where, like or just really everywhere, all over the world. So we we sent a team into the Amazon jungles to build a house for missionaries uh, reaching an unreached tribe there. We had a couple groups go to Africa. We had um, some groups go into Europe, uh, Caribbean, um, Middle East. Uh, so it was it was yeah it was all over. Um, and so, but, but yeah, that, like that was sort of an infusion of ideas and vision and stuff like that. Um, and this most recent plant really has come out of the fact that we were in a smaller town. Strathroy is about 15,000 people. But we, um, outside of London, which is obviously the bigger city, One Direction, everything else around us is small villages. You know, you're talking like, say, 1,000 to three, 4,000. Um, and there's lots of them around us. And we draw from at least some of these. And there is one village in particular that, um, or a couple right around there, that we had probably about 25 or 30 people coming in from. Is that Glencoe? Um, or is that a different yeah, one you're thinking yeah, of? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so they've been trekking in, and some of them for years. Um, but we started having some conversations to say, hey, like, what could it look like to help really release you to reach your community? Because it's probably not too big of a deal for you as a strong committed Christian to drive 25 minutes to church. But if we're saying we want you to be a disciple making disciple and reach your neighbor who's just exploring Jesus or walked away from church for 20 years and is wondering whether to go back, them driving from Glencoe to the grand metropolis of Strathroy is a major barrier. Um, <laughs> and like I say that jokingly, but even the 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 pride in the towns is actually a big piece. Like it's 25 minutes. I mean, you live in the country, you have to drive everywhere, but it's actually like, well, why would I go to Strathroy? Why would I like, I want to be in my town. I live in Glencoe for a reason. And, um, and so, so that thinking and conversation starts happening and then COVID hits. Um, and COVID uh, was at first this probably for all of us pastors freak out moment of like is everything about to fall apart? <laughs> uh, but then I was chatting with a buddy of mine who's a pastor in the area, and he made this comment. It was you know two three months into COVID, and he said, "You know what, Alan? My prayer is by the time we get to this COVID thing, uh, that our church is going to be double the size it was when we started." And it wasn't like an audacious, like numerical thing. It was just like this idea from, from Ron of, um, I want to see God do something here and not just go into retreat, but say, we really believe God's in control, even still, what could he do? And that was like a, a game changer even for me. I still gone back to, to, to him over and over and said, like, thank you for that. And so, um, just kind of reframes like the thing from like, hey, let's survive, let's tread water, yeah, to maybe something new and interesting can happen. Exactly. 
So in COVID, we started making like everybody, all of our services online. And then when doors started to be able to open up a little bit, and there's all kinds of limit restrictions for capacities, we said, well, we're making a whole online service anyway. What if for these 25 or 30 people that are out in Glencoe, we just pipe in video out there? Like it's literally nothing for us to do. If we could have a venue that we could do it in, it's already done. And so it was sort of this trial run into it um, and saw some really cool things. A number of new families started coming. Um, it didn't burst at the scenes, but it was just like, wow, like this is really, um, this is really neat. And then we got shut down because of restrictions again and kicked out of the rental place we were in. New, new wave or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it got us really saying, hey, I think there's something here. And are we going to really lean into this? And, um, you know, during COVID too, like there's been a progressive um, move rural. Um, people are working remotely and stuff like that. So it's easier to be out here. The prices of housing just keep pushing everybody further and further out from the big cities. Yeah. <laughs> so They're moving even further away from Strathroy yeah, exactly. than before. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> where there was small churches that were existing before COVID, COVID has just annihilated so many of them. And so really like in, you, you mean like in small towns, rural areas, oh, totally. like some of those kinds of places. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, what do you think the reason for that is by the way? Well, without being too stereotypical, um, the demographical reality is just of a lot of these, it's not young folks. Um, and so, like, I remember one church that was even in our town here. Um, it's a mainline church um, of a particular denomination that starts with the letter P. Uh, uh, there's some people. We, we can all There's guess. some people uh, on this podcast <laughs> who might know a little bit of that denomination, although it's like a different variation than uh, you, dear brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, uh, but he actually said, you know, like. I don't even bother making online services because none of my people even have access to computers to watch them. And so my whole ministry during COVID has just been like phoning people because I, I, it's for what? What would I create a service for? And so, you know, that's one example. But, but I've definitely seen it a lot. Like there's a lot of closing churches. And you drive through these small towns around us and they all have church buildings. And I would say at least half of them are now residential houses that have been sold. Um, that's just like a huge market of real estate is people buying, buying church buildings and living in them now. Renovating them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so people are moving rural. There's opportunities around us. The churches that were there, many of them are dying and closing. What might God do here? And so those pieces kind of all came together with us really jumping full bore into, uh, most recently this one in the community of Glencoe. Well, let me ask you a little bit more about exactly exactly how you did it. So to recap, you'd put your services online already during COVID. Uh, and then when they when we began to have gatherings, you know, in between wave three and wave four, or wave two and wave three or whatever, whatever it was, uh, instead of instead of calling all those people back to, you know, mothership in uh, Strathroy, you said, let's do. So they were they were they doing a live service or were they watching a stream from from the mothership, but just in Glencoe? Yeah. So at that point, like first pass, and we've kind of trial and errored a few different things. We um, we were doing video of the sermon with live worship. So, but like a small, like one or two people, like an acoustic guitar or like a piano keyboard or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And is that what it is still, or in what ways has it has it? Uh, you said you trialed and errored a few things. Like, what have you landed on? What do you like right now? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, what we really found, and this, you know, we were told this by our, uh, we're part of Fellowship Baptist, by our um, denominational church planting guys, um, and we didn't really listen at first, and then we realized they actually know what they're <laughs> they talking about. They never do. Because <laughs> we are independent, autonomous, local Baptist that's churches. Right. Yeah, we are doing whatever we want to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is in our DNA, is to be able to do whatever we want. Um, so, uh, but, uh, but one of the things he said was, you need a leader. Like, and, and we had uh, one of our really good elders is, um, uh, lives out there, uh, lay elders, and so he was a part of it, but but even um, it was just like he's got a full-time gig and all this kind of stuff. And so what we really came to a little over a year ago was like, we if we're really going to do this, we need to, first of all, hire somebody that's going to be the pastor of this congregation. Um, and so, so we started down that process um, and brought on somebody in uh, late spring, early summer to join our team. Uh, and then it was really kind of a, uh, a re- rebirth of it all. So we had started some stuff, but then it stopped and we decided to not restart it, even though we were start able to really start opening like a year and a bit ago, as far as COVID restrictions, because we said, you know what, we want to really give clarity on what this is going to be. And it is going to look a little different. So, um, so previously it might've been talked about or thought of as like, it's a site think you know, that sort of all that comes with that, a satellite, whatever. Um, but we've really felt like as we've thought through this, prayed about it, thought about what we've seen so far, we are planting churches. We're not starting sites or satellites, um, but we are trying to establish local churches there. Um, but we are trying to really weave in through all of this um, the analogy or the the metaphor of a family and um, mm, okay and yeah, so explain. yeah so what we want to I think ultimately end up towards is building a family of local churches um, and so more independent and contextualized and released and freedom than um, just a site. Uh, but more connected than even within, say, our denomination. Um, so within our denomination, we've got associations or, you know, presbyteries. Um, in terms of in around London, there's about 15 churches that are part of that, which is great. Uh, but we want to have a tighter connection than just adding another church to that. Um, and because we really think that to make a thriving, sustainable church in these communities you're immediately facing a pretty significant ceiling because of the size you're going to. So if you just think like Glencoe as a town is about 2,000, 2,500, the couple little areas Actually, around that's it. That's what my internet research told me too. There you it go. was like the last census, uh, just over 2,000 people. Yeah. So, the, the, But maybe if you include some of the surrounding area, you can add you know, 500. It's probably about a 4,000. Yeah. yeah, it's probably okay. about a 4,000 people group that we're drawing from yeah. for that church. Like a, a 15, you, 20 minute drive of Glencoe in every direction yeah. or whatever. Okay, got gotcha. Yeah. So, and if you think 4,000 people is like your whole group, like what is a good saturation of that? If you are getting, you know, if you got um, 5%. You'd be, of that'd be unbelievable. Four thousand people. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and that's two hundred people, <laughs> which is like, I mean, that's a that's a good sized church, but like, it's not it's not gigantic. It's not. Yeah. No. No. And so if if like amazing is two hundred people, 
what can you resource with 200 people as far as like volunteer leaders, as far as staff leaders, as far as ministry you're able to do, like to kids? What kind of um, quality preaching are you going to have? What kind of worship are you going to have? Small group ministries are you going to have? Missions are you going to have? Like, and so immediately, and that would be like phenomenal, right? If you just absolutely nail it, you get 200 people and you can maybe have like, say, a staff and a half. Yeah, and, that's, yeah that's, uh, like 200 people is really maybe two, two staff or one full-time staff and two part-time staff or, you know, a budget of three or $400,000 or like, you know, like it's, you're, you're doing things, but you're not like, you're not swimming in resources. And that would be phenomenal. And that, yeah, the, the, and that's like the, the top end outcome if you really did. Yeah, amazing. Right. Yeah. And so more realistically, like you're probably thinking like if we get to 100, this would be really encouraging. This would be tremendously encouraging. And then you think a 100 person church is what budget numbers and what staff numbers and what volunteer numbers. And so then you get this reality. And I think this is why a lot of these small towns don't have much thriving churches is because what a lot of people today are looking for, for better or worse, is a program to take their kids to. What they're looking for is strong preaching. What they're looking for is a compelling music and stuff like that. So I'll just drive 45 minutes into London if I'm going to church. And so the, the people that know Jesus and are committed to Jesus just drive 40 minutes to go somewhere else. And then they don't really live out reaching their neighbors. And so the neighbors don't get reached because they're not willing to go 40 minutes and the Christians just live in their Christian bubble far away and then don't really get to live out that disciple-making disciple thing. So our theory is if we can be a closer-knit family to really share resources, um, can we together do more to make thriving churches than if we just go totally on their own? Um and so as we've sent out this group, we sent out people from our midst, but then we have continued to um, send out not only the group that went as the core team, but then some of our volunteers to be a part of kids ministry, to be a part of the worship team, to be a part of, uh, we do a preaching rotation. And so there's a little bit of video, but then our uh, Nick, who's our pastor out there, he preaches somewhat. Uh, we have some of our other staff here go out and preach out there. Um, and what we're trying to do is, again, with that family illustration, think of it even, we've birthed a child, and there's the phases you walk through if you're having a child. You've got, you know, conception and in the womb, you've got the birth and it's a baby, you've got childhood, you've got teenager or, you know, young adult, and then you've got independence and adult. And so progressively, our desire would be to sort of give more and more over to them over time as they're getting more and more mature in those phases. Um, but then also continuing to have that sense of a familial connection and support that is tighter than just our denomination so that hopefully we can really help each other thrive in these smaller town communities. I, I think that's really interesting. And my only question is like, are you sure you don't want to be like Anglican or Presbyterian or <laughs> wait, a slightly more connectional? Anyways, I don't know. Well, um, I, I grew my... up Presbyterian. So here's probably <laughs> where it's like my colors are, are following through. But um, but I just actually, can't get I'm... over the Bible that teaches yeah. you actually have to uh, dunk people who uh, believe. That's right. That's, no, that's no, my but you need problem. Like a, a credo baptizing presbyterian <laughs> structure um but but structurally actually my question was like is it um does, does the the elder board or whatever does the board of bethel do they do they do they have 
oversight and control over over Glencoe Church Plant, or is Church Plant, or are they trying to have their own board eventually? Like, what will in a family relationship? Where does kind of the decision making power and, and stuff? Where does that where does that lie? How do you how do you think about that? Yeah. So again, I would think of like it's going to change over the seasons of or those phases of as the church grows, right? So. So right now, they uh, we would be, in a sense, fully one church, although we call it, talk about church planting. They've got their church staff out there, but we have one board, um, and they are under our elder board. Now it happens that one of our elders is right in the core of that team and is out there um, and is sort of representative, but we're not necessarily trying to you know make it a representative cross-spectrum. The goal would be to develop an elder team out there, Um, Because I think that that's going to be important for, well, one, just understanding of what a local church is going to be. It needs to have its its elders. But also um, the the contextualization of what it means to be a church out there and to govern itself and to reach that community. Um, Every every community, big or small, has its own unique feels, right? And uh, and we want to honor that. We want to try to say... We can do as much as possible to support each other, but then recognize uh, this is ultimately big K kingdom, not our little kingdom. And so who cares what we do in Strathroy compared to there if it's reaching people for Jesus, of course, within the scope of the word, um, you know, open hands here. So, yeah, and what I think, and you've circled around this a few times, but I think it's an important point is that. I think when we think about church planting, sometimes people will say like, well, why do we need a church in Glencoe? Everyone in Glencoe can drive to Strathroy. And people say the same thing about Ottawa. It's like, well, why do we need a church in this part of Ottawa? Because you can just drive 15 minutes. And I think it's like Christians will drive or Christians who are committed to church attendance, their their guilty consciences will push them, will drive to find a, a, a healthy, good church to attend. But it's just not been my experience. Anecdotally, I don't have any evidence for it beyond my own experience, but like non-Christians won't do that. And so it's like if you want, if you want the the seeker or the the really cynical skeptic or the the doubting Christian who's really having trouble, like you have to you have to make it easier for them to get to than than twenty five minutes away, especially in the winter. Canadian winters are rough. You look out the window, it's icy out. It's like, am I really gonna brave the roads? And you know, like I just think it's I think having churches in their areas for contextual reasons is important, but also for accessibility reasons, I think is, is, uh, is quite important. And also, I mean, I don't know anything about the demographics of Glencoe, but let's assume that 10% of the population doesn't drive because they either can't afford it or uh, they have some sort of health issue that prevents them from driving. Like, well, where are they supposed to go to church? Like, I think it's it's something we have to wrestle with is that we are simply by catering to sort of people who can afford a, a reliable car, reliable transportation, like is also, is also not great that we're just depending on those factors Then we're inevitably going to kind of cut out five, 10, 15%, depending on your community of folks who won't be able to get to you um, just because of where you've decided to locate the church. So anyways, I thought that was important. I don't know if you want to say more about that, but. Yeah. Well, I would wholeheartedly agree with you on that, Ben, from a number of angles and and we're already seeing it. Like, so we sent off, and this is not about numbers at all, but like we sent off 35 people from us. It's more than doubled already. Mm, very interesting. And yeah. um, all of those people live in that community. Like all the, um, all the new uh, people, the new 35. All the new people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 
almost all of them. There's a couple people that were driving into like London or things. I think there's maybe two families that were doing that. But everybody else that has more than doubled it is people from the community who weren't going to church. And uh, like even just on Easter, we had our first baptism. And it was a gal who um, on the Santa Claus Christmas parade got a flyer about this church who has come out of a single mom domestic violence situation and uh, was like, I need to go to church, started coming to church and is like, I need to start following Jesus and had like 20 of her family and friends from town. She blitzed Facebook saying, I'm getting baptized <laughs> on Easter. And there's Everybody like 20 come. people from town. Yeah, come. Right. Seriously. Oh, man. And, and that is one of the beautiful things about small town is there's really this like network that you tap into. Um, and and so I think it's it's reaching those people, but it's also helping those Christians to live the mission there because it's really hard for you to live the mission if you don't have a place to help reach within your community. And so it's really gotten and pushed even those 35 from us to be like, oh yeah, I got to like, because even coming into Strathroy was a little bit easy for them. They could just come in and out to church and church was, church was a Sunday service. Now we are the church (laughs) and we need to step up. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to be it. And that's so healthy and good. It, it creates a real sense of of urgency that's really impossible to replicate sort of artificially. Uh, but when you go to church and it's like, well, there's just there's just no one else. Like, it's just us. Like, if I don't set up the chairs, literally no one is going to set up the chairs. Or if I don't make the coffee, if I don't invite people, then no new people are going to come. Like, that, that sort of sense of urgency just for the average Christian is... Yeah, it's impossible to replicate, and it's yeah. In but in those that twenty to fifty range, you feel it so keenly. Um, and when when our church kind of got out of that, it's like, I mean, it was it was comforting. Like, oh, we might survive. I might have a paycheck. <laughs> um, but it's like, but the, you you lose something about the church. That's um, that's like a beautiful part of of the beginning of like, we are all in this together, and we may go down, but we're you know we're all we're all fighting hard to like kind of keep it alive and and keep it going. Yeah. Um. One of the other. So cool, tell me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was go, just yeah, going to say, go. just one, just really briefly. One of the other cool things that's happened to, um, with the way we've been walking this so far, is because we've stayed with a fairly close connection for us here in Strathroy, and we're actually sending out fairly regular people to either go and help and serve, um, or to just even go visit and support and pray with them and that kind of thing. It's given that sort of infusion to us as an old school church too. Um, and so it's allowed someone, even though it's a little more temporary to get that feeling you're talking about of like, Hey, and, and when it's a 75 year old, 80 year old church, you really have that easily go out. This just runs no matter whether I come or not. Um, and so the coffee magically appears, Yeah, like so it's, it's made, someone's making it somewhere, but it's just always there or, or the sermon or the music teams already, they're already well rehearsed, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's been infusing our folks here too, with a real expanded sense of vision and being a part of that, even though they may not all be like right in that core team. All right. With our remaining time, I want to just talk about like, what, what are you thinking about going forward for this, for this kind of model? Like what does the future of Bethel look like? Where is this extendable to? I don't, you don't need to name places, you know, if you're like, you're not sure, but like, just tell me at least like how you and, and, you know, your elders, your, your staff, how you guys are thinking about this for, you know, five, 10, 15 years into the future. 
Yeah, this is really, um, I think, becoming a major burden for us into the future and will be a key piece of, of what we do. Not the only thing, but it'll be a key piece of what we're doing um, because we do see uh, a number of other communities, basically every direction you go, um, there are these sort of towns that are the 500 to 2,000 size. And, you know, I, I know, like there's very little churches there, um, if, if much at all. Uh, and so, but there's people there. There's people who need Jesus. And so, um, yeah, we're very much actively praying. One of the things that we um, uh, have done right off the bat is just to say, hey, we want to not just think about even this this most recent one in Glencoe as a one-off, but um, think about it as preparation for more into the future and so putting together um, a playbook to think through how these different phases of, you know, that growth from birth to adulthood of this church plant goes and um, trying to create a pipeline within our leadership here, because um, that's one of the things you really see quick is you need leaders if you're going to do this. It's like, oh, we need someone to be in charge of this and like organize things. And yeah, totally. And God is gracious. Yeah. We brought a guy from the outside in for this. But both Nick and I have said right from the beginning, um, this wasn't ideal. Nick's done a great job and he's been fantastic. And God's really gracious in how he lined that up and the vision there. But what I really want to do is raise up with from within. And so whether that's on volunteer levels um, and uh, lay volunteers, within our staff, um, creating that pipeline of leadership to start moving towards um, this happening more and more too. Um, so, and then it like, it'd be amazing, you know, Nick, Nick within um, this church plant in Bethel Southwest um, is already saying, you know, our goal would be like five, eight years out that we're looking at the next community beyond us. And so there hits a certain point. Um, I was chatting with a buddy of mine that I go to school with who's in Arkansas uh, in Little Rock, bigger city, but they're having a fairly similar approach in terms of the familial church planting but connection thing. And he said, we're at the point now, we've launched five, and we basically can't go any direction. <laughs> they, we we, we, we every, hit the points like, of the compass. <laughs> we, went, we went everywhere out. And so now, you know, 10 years into this, having launched five of them out, it's now our children that need to have children. Um, and so, Lord willing, like, that would just be... And that's the point. Disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Yeah. Is um is is the what's the primary factor you look at in terms of like when you're thinking about the next community? Is it folks from our church are driving in from this place, or this is a strategic place for for X reason or Y reason, or like is is there a factor that stands out in your mind as like oh I this this weighs maybe the most heavily? Yeah. Um... I'm going to give a really answer that's going to sound like a spiritual cop-out because that's what the pastor has to say. But honestly, <laughs> wherever the Lord leads us. <laughs> seriously though, Ben, like it, <laughs> that's all right. You can give like, that answer. That's it's fine. Been, I'm fine with it. It's been crazy how the Lord has just opened these doors. Um, like just in mind blowing ways um, from little things of housing pieces for Nick moving from Mississauga to come here and join our team um, in the middle of the last year where houses just are not available and it's just like stuff like that to the location that we got to the people that have come alongside. Um, we've had people from our area here um, sell their houses and move out to Glencoe to be a part of this and the way those things have come together. 
the way funding for it has come together. Um, and so really like that, that's the, that's a really fundamental piece is like, okay, Lord, where are you stirring? Um, I think one of the ways that manifests itself from what we're seeing and what we're thinking most specifically is with people. Um, and so whether that's people from our church that live there, um, or connections that are starting to happen, um, and, uh, and it's just seeming like doors are starting to open. Um, but, but that's, that's been a shift for me in terms of even thinking that way. I mean, you always say that, right? You always say, yeah, <laughs> that, that's why I laughed at the beginning. Cause it's a, it is a, a phrase we throw around. Like, yeah. You and I have our backstory in a certain particular ministry and it was wonderful to get to serve there. And one of the great strengths of that campus ministry is it's, visionary and strategic and thinking strategy. And I love that. And I have been richly blessed by that. At the same time, over the last number of years, I do feel like I've needed to unlearn a bit of that because um, it was never the intention. This was never ever said or anything like this, but what in my own, like my bent and weird interpretation of it all, it, at times came to be like, well, what you really need to figure out is the strategy. And um, I, I remember very distinctly a number of years ago, um, I took a parental leave for when one of our kids was born. And so I was off for three, four months. It's, you know, it's like a sabbatical in terms of you're just stepping away entirely from ministry for that time, although it was crazy because you got two little kids so it's not really a sabbatical but <laughs> that's right it's a sabbatical yeah. without sleep yeah. basically is, and uh, i remember yeah. coming back <laughs> to a staff meeting after being off for three or four months and glaringly being struck by how much we actually just talked about strategy and our ideas and how little we were saying god what do you want it it was like a two by four upside the head I was like, wow. And and that's not to be critical of anybody, but like and that's that's my bent too cuz I'm like a strategy systems guy. But I've really come to see like where is the Lord moving and join him there. That classic Henry Black could be experiencing God. Like we're not bringing God into this. Mm -hmm. He's already doing stuff. Saying, yeah. He is. Yeah. And we got to join him. Yeah. So well, I just thought the story of what's happening at Bethel is really beautiful. It's been inspiring to me from afar. And I think it's I hope it's I hope it's really encouraging to any folks kind of laboring in older churches, middle-aged churches, and maybe they're at the top of that bell curve. Maybe they're trying to figure out like what's next. Maybe they're dying and they're just trying to like how do we get off of life support and back to like, you know, living? And I, I just think it's really beautiful. If people want to find you. Um, just kind of quickly point us to any any resources or websites or any ways to get in touch with uh, with you, Alan. Yeah, uh, BethelStrathroy.com is our website. Um, I'm not much of a social media guy, and so <laughs> you can find out you about our church. It. And there's there's contact info <laughs> through that, uh, but that would be that'd be the pointer. And 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 Ben Bethel Southwest is the official name of the Glencoe uh, Church site plant thing. 
that you got going on. Cool. Yeah. Well, and if, and if any folks are listening from that area, please get in touch. Or if you live further west, down down in the flatlands towards Sarnia or whatever, I'm sure that Alan <laughs> would be interested in hearing you. Or what, whatever south towards towards the lake, you know, I don't know. Uh, you can feel free to get in touch. Whichever but I think... direction you're going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're interested. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for all you're doing and for the chance to get to connect, brother. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, with me, you can email me at canadianchurchplanting@gmail.com. at gmail.com, canadianchurchplanting@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We will talk to you soon.